Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. I have a very high expectation of what I've always thought this franchise is, and that was the best franchise in sports. In the moments where we are now, as players, we got to execute. Every day, I'm so fortunate to be a part of this team. This is 49ers Plus Minus. Hey everybody, Tim Kawakami here, co-host of a show we know is 49ers Plus Minus. Sitting here, not sitting here actually, but he's on my screen, so I'm saying sitting here. He looks like he's sitting at the time. Matt Maros. Matt, 49ers looked really good yesterday, right? Christmas Day, that was Christmas <laughs> night. That was just a terrific showcase. Uh, what's your main takeaway from there? Let me see, 33-19. Is that the score? I don't know. I've lost. Yeah, Um, 33-19. Lost to the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, I mean, uh, I went back and I rewatched the game this morning. And, and of course, the old adage is that it's never as good or as bad as it seems at the time. And and this followed suit. Um, You know, my impression after the game was that, boy, the the defense was, was really sloppy in that third quarter. Um, and that's when the, the game got away from them and, and they were, but I, I thought that it was, uh, overall a, a much better defensive effort than my first impression was, um, you know, uh, missed tackles. Remember in the Cardinals game, it was 16. That was a, a season high for them. They cut that down to six. What it was, was a handful of plays where they had, they've got Lamar Jackson dead to right and chase, chase young has one. Uh, Jair Brown is coming on the blitz. He's got another one. And um, Lamar Jackson um, does his Houdini impression, escapes, and then gouges the 49ers for a big gain. And, and I'm sure, uh, you know, the rest of the AFC North is saying, yeah, that's what this guy does. <laughs> and 49ers just don't play him very often. But um, this is this – is- By the way – the four nights would suck in the AFC North. They That's would right. Be, they, <laughs> what are they? One, well, one, and, one and three against yeah, t- 10 and week. one against everybody else. One and three against the AFC North. So just thank God they're not in there. They should, they should be happy about that, but they did have to play everybody in there. Um, yeah. I mean, Lamar's tough. I mean, I think we knew that going in. We knew he's extremely talented. That he would challenge them in ways and challenge them in the ways that Jalen hurts did not. Now, whether Jalen hurts, is hurt or there's something going on there. I don't know, but he doesn't have the weapons. Jalen Hurts does and still managed to be double. didn't destroy the 49ers. So again, that's a good point you're making. Got some short fields, uh, made some plays, but he wasn't like going for, you know, 375 and, you know, 100 rushing. That that did not happen. 
but he was good. He controlled the game, uh, and we have not seen a third. I think it's that third quarter really yeah. kind of makes everything seem worse because it was bad. It was 17 nothing at a time when the 49ers usually try to take control of the game, and they absolutely gave it away, kicked it away, threw it away. I'm sure we will get to that point. Uh, but, like, yeah, let's just go big picture. If they get through – I mean, we'll talk about whether they can get through the NFC playoffs, but I still think they would be the favorite to do that. And they end up facing Baltimore. Do you think it could be a very different matchup if they play these two teams play again in the Super Bowl? Yeah, I do. I mean, uh, again, I think it was a very good game plan against Lamar Jackson. I mean, they, they had him um, frazzled early in the game. He was missing throws. The Ravens were punting. I think that they're going to be, um, if they did play the Ravens again, they would look back at this game plan and think, you know, this was the right game plan. Was if it like make, the Jalen Hurts kind of control the pocket kind of yeah, thing? Yeah, they, they, the they did that. I mean, they uh, they bothered him. Um, you know, I think their their mission is to get him to remain in the pocket and throw. And early on, he wasn't sharp. Um, they just need to finish the plays. I mean, uh, and I know that's way easier said than done when it comes to – Lamar Jackson. But my point is that it was a good defensive game plan. I mean, the coming out of that Cardinals game where, what was it? 234 ground yards. Uh, that was their number one priority. Make sure we stop the run. And they did. I, I forget what the Ravens total was. It was only a little over a hundred and that's including one big 30 yard scramble by Lamar Jackson at the end of the first half. So I, I think that they're going to look at it and think, Gee, we did a lot of good things. Uh, the tackling was was largely very good. Nick Bosa and Chase Young were putting pressure. J- Javon Hargrave uh, had a sack. He looked good as well. Um, you know, it's just getting this guy on the ground, which is uh, difficult for any team and was so for the 49ers on Monday. Okay. Offense, 49ers. Uh, They might want to skip over this one. I'm probably not. I assume Kyle Shanahan is grinding through the film on what happened there. It was Brock Purdy throwing four interceptions, obviously three in the first half. Almost impossible to win a game. As has been pointed out, it's amazing. They were only down four points at halftime after he threw three interceptions. But it wasn't just him. Like, you know, nobody was great offensively. The offensive line was getting beat. Uh, Trent Williams, you know, gets hurt, but he was in there for most of the game. Um, what's your main takeaway from, I guess, non-Purdy take? We'll get into Purdy, I'm sure, but what's your, the, the largest non-Purdy takeaway for you? Well, I mean, uh, once uh, once you lose three offensive linemen, it, I mean, we were getting to remember that game in Philadelphia in 2017 where it, they were just down to, you know, uh, almost having to play a tight end. Yeah, I thought almost didn't they? Attack. I guess they came close to playing a tight end attack. Yeah, I mean that they were in the they were in the same boat last night, and then so you've got um, Colton McKivitz who has to slide over to left tackle, and then you've got Spencer Burford who hasn't played tackle since he was at UT San Antonio. He's got to play right tackle, and both those guys were terrible. I mean, just awful. I mean, the, and the Ravens know that they have to to run the ball too. So there's that, and so. Um, you know, by the time that Sam Darnold gets in there, I mean, I, I give him a lot of props because he's got zero time to throw and he actually did uh, a, a pretty good job, uh, when he was in there. But I mean, it, it, it also kind of raises the, the point of what are they going to do Sunday in, in Washington? I mean, it's not like, uh, they're going against a, uh, division three team. I mean, uh, the commanders are still going to rush the passer. 
the 49ers could have real problems along that offensive line. The, the other takeaway is that the 49ers have been playing teams, and I think this is sort of league-wide almost, with really, um, I'm going to say average, it might be beyond that, with really bad inside linebackers. And that's been something that the 49ers have just uh, picked apart. Uh, throws over the middle, this, that, and the other. Uh, they've really taken advantage of the opponent's weakness. We're talking about the Cardinals. We're talking about the Seahawks. We're the talking Eagles. About Eagles. the Eagles. Very soft in the middle. The Ravens are the opposite of that. Uh, they are up there with the 49ers in terms of having really good inside linebackers who cover a lot of ground. So those windows that were wide open for Brock Purdy the last six weeks were very narrow uh, against the Ravens. And and obviously he was having trouble with that. A, a lot of those were, or a couple of those were, were tip passes, um, balls that went in the air, uh, things that he just didn't see. So I, I think that that ends up being a big uh, reason for his awful game. Well, that's, I, I don't understand. Again, the Eagles are a smart team. They have a great roster. Howie Roseman has won the Super Bowl. He's brilliant roster construction guy but like the whole thing is linebackers don't matter right it's 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 just like we've decided to invest in all these other things God, i don't i think linebackers affect the game so much and they particularly affect like that easy passing game and, and so you don't have the layups if you have fred warner dre greenlaw patrick queen you know roquan smith these linebackers that we're just naming off and i don't understand in this era where you can just say, you know what, we really don't need linebackers. I don't, and the, and the four ers you're right, have been fortunate in the NFC. Where like, what's the team with great linebackers in the NFC? I, I don't know. I mean, we week after week, I watch these 49ers games and go, the middle's open, the middle's open, the middle's open. The Ravens with those two guys and Kyle Hamilton, pretty good, pretty good yeah. safety. Like they cover the middle, and it's. Not like with Garoppolo, I think like he almost can only throw in the middle. He can throw in the middle nicely, but that's about where he worked. Purdy can obviously work the outside too. He did it last night, hit some outside passes. I thought when that the kind of the deep out to Ayuk for twenty was really nice. So he's had several of those and has had them throughout the season. But you got to cover the middle of the field. Uh, maybe it's the Fangio for both of us. Like Fangio want to control the middle of the field. That's what he does. Doesn't quite have the guys to do it with the dolphins right now, but it just takes away that easy stuff, that, that layup stuff, the 12 yards, boom. And the four ers are fortunate not to have that. The, the Eagles don't have even one of those guys. I don't think the Cowboys, you know, they don't have, they have Michael Parsons on the edge, but he's not in the middle. So that is amazing to me. And I think again, another reason why the four ers continue to be the favorite to win the NFC I don't see that awesome, great team. The Raven, I, I underestimate the Ravens going into this. I don't know what you were thinking. Um, I saw the defensive stats, but I just thought they were not all the way telling. Guess what? Those number one defensive stats mean something. They are they are quite good. They are fast and fast in ways that bug the 49ers. Well, let's just get into Purdy. I mean, we got to talk four interceptions, three in the first half. Uh, Shanahan seems particularly bugged by that first one, and that was bad because I was took a you know touchdown drive off the board. Uh, turn into a safety for the four ers but you know you want seven there every time. Uh, well, Purdy just kind of saw Debo open up and didn't realize Kyle Hamilton was there lurking. 
I thought the third one was really bad when he's scrambling right, flags yeah. flying, and Purdy said, I saw the flags. You should have known it was against them. Just dead play. You can't gain anything out of this. Just throw it out of bounds. It doesn't matter. Punt the ball. Throws it, gets deflected up because Kittle's defended, and, and there's another interception for Hamilton. I thought the other is like, you know, Kyle called him unfortunate, but you don't put yourself in that position where you can get unfortunate. Uh, and I think that was particularly the last one where he just kind of has under pressure and just kind of flicks it and gets that deflected right to a, to a, a Ravens defender. We know it's not the end all storyline. That's it. Now Purdy's terrible. Clearly that's not it. The other games matter too, but where does this, you know, alter your perception or does it alter your perception of what Purdy can do, you know, in a big game against a good defense, which we've just said the NFC might not have one, but there's one out there. We just saw it. I mean, what's your view of Purdy in a moment against a team like the Ravens? Well, I mean, the the big uh, unchecked box with, with Brock Purdy is, you know, what is this guy going to do when the 49ers are uh, behind by a wide margin? And uh, all of a sudden he's kind of dealing with a defense where the linebackers are dropping back and, and the windows as we're discussing are, are tighter. Um, and, um, and we had that uh, again and, and he struggled in those scenarios. I mean, he, he didn't look great against the Bengals. He didn't look great against the Vikings, both scenarios where this, the 49ers were trailing in the second half. Um, and all of a sudden uh, the 49ers run game isn't as, um, big of a threat defenses aren't really paying attention to it as much so um yeah i mean he still has yet to win one of those games so i think until he does um it's going to be a concern now most quarterbacks don't um you know usually when you're trailing in the second half you lose the game so um i, I think that that is um a bit of an issue and it's usually something that the 49ers don't have to deal with i mean um i thought it was a, a big deal you know um for the 49ers formula, they, they get stops at the end of the half and then they score and then they get the ball back. And then that sort of kind of flips the script and puts them in that comfort zone that they like to be in. And this one, again, they had uh, the Ravens dead to right. I mean, the Ravens had a bad penalty. I think it was first and 25 deep in their own territory. And it took them two plays to get out of it. Yep. Um, and so they were able to go down and get a fuel goal. The 49ers come back, begin that third quarter and are just flat to begin it. And that's, that's very unlike the 49ers. So all of a sudden it starts to snowball against them. Whereas in most games, that's, uh, that's their bailiwick. That's what they like to do. So, um, and, you know, I, I should point out there were two other plays and you and I kind of saw them in real time. There was, uh, uh, two other possible picks one on a throw that was well behind Debo Samuel and another where Purdy, uh, I think had to get rid of the ball faster than expected because the Ravens were blitzing and Willie Sneed was not ready for the pass. And that was another one that the Ravens just dropped. So um, as bad as it was, it, it could have been even worse. Why, why do you think he isn't, I mean, again, there's not that many games where they're trailing, you know, like this is the, the good thing is they are good enough and he is good enough to usually get leads. So when they are trailing, it's a rare moment. But was it just arm strength? Is that where the arm strength comes in, where you just power a ball through a defense that is kind of set up to, you know, to capture the kind of shorter stuff 
and you just throw it through him. I mean, I don't think he's got a weak arm, but it's not a Joe Flacco arm or whatever these, you know, these monster arms are used to. What would you say is the reason why some of those rallies never happen? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's related to arm strength. I mean, um, you know, you, you see the quarterbacks who are good at it are very creative. They're able to make off-schedule plays, and he is that. He can do that. Um, I don't know. I mean, the 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 pick to to Kittle that was one where the defensive back got his hand in there and, and tipped it. Um, I mean, sometimes you just have to chalk it up to the the defense playing a really good game. And I think a lot of, a lot of the NFL is based on timing. I mean, who's hot, um, who's coming off a, a game of rest. I mean, the game, uh, the games against the Cowboys and the Eagles, which everybody was comparing this game to the 49ers. I don't want to say they got lucky, but they, they were favorable sort of timing matchups. Um, they were coming off Thursday games in, in both um, instances. So they were, rested and revved up and uh, motivated for that game. The, it, it was the Ravens. If you read their post-game quotes, um, it was that they had the chip on their shoulder for this game. The, the 49ers uh, were favored in the game. Nobody was giving the Ravens much respect, yada, yada, yada. I'm just saying that that, that happens from time to time. You play a team that is just kind of champing at the, the bit to get you and, um, you know, the, all it takes is one bad quarter and it's a, uh, it's a blowout. And I think that's what happened to Brock Purdy. And you guys can't see this on the screen, but I'm staring at Barrows pointing at me and it's very intimidating. So I'm a little bit on my back foot right now. I'm a little Brock Purdy scrambling around. He's, uh, he's got the, he's got the mean face going on right now. See, Watch I've got, out. I've got, I've got the Ravens attitude and, and <laughs> you and I were, let's talk about this for a second. You and I like to watch the uh, all the pregame warmups because mm -hmm. they can be action packed with the 49ers. Yes. Um, the kickers and the wide receivers kind of you know need a big swath of the field to warm up, and that's become contentious with the 49ers, um, especially with Debo Samuel and the uh, and the Cowboys kickers. Um, we saw Debo Samuel. That was in the playoffs. That was in the playoffs, right? Yeah, yeah and, and yeah. it happened a little bit in in the in the Week Five game uh, this year too. It wasn't quite as contentious, but you know, Debo likes to sort of strut his stuff and mark his territory. Uh, we saw that in the Cleveland game before before a game, and in this one, Justin Tucker just has the run of the plays. Yep. Um, he's in the 49ers end zone. Stretching. Ball, he's ball stretching. Yeah, that's the one that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's stretching in in the four niners, uh, and I've never that seen was that bizarre before. to me. Um, and and then you know Tucker is basically moving Brock Purdy around, saying, you know, you guys warm up somewhere else. I got to do my kicking right here. <laughs> um, and so you and I were just kind of bracing for like a Debo explosion, and it just never happened. Um, and I, I we're probably reading way too much into it, but they didn't seem to have the usual puffed up chest uh going into this game whereas uh whereas the ravens might have had that um they, they just uh um i don't know took a front a little bit more than the 49ers did i wonder if that tucker might be the greatest kicker of all time uh, you know a veteran i wonder like if a younger kicker could have possibly could jake moody have pulled that off in the <laughs> ravens end zone i would not think so uh you know, debo kind of as you would point out debo's kind of looking over there right he's like like 
why does Brock have to move uh, seven yards over to the other side? Because you're kicking on the right <laughs> hash. It, I, I had the video going because I was sure that uh, Debo was going to come over. But you're right. I mean, it, that might be just the respect that Justin Tucker has in this league. But I don't know. I just felt like, oh, boy, something's going to happen. And it never did. And it, it just kind of uh, it, it struck me as uh, as odd. Justin Tucker doing eight minutes of stretching on the 49ers goal line as the 49ers are warming up around him was really interesting. Again, I have never seen that before. doesn't mean it meant anything for the game, but that was unique. That really was unique. Moody should have come try to kick his ass. That was, it had, should be a kick. Like goalies can only fight goalies right. like in, in hockey. They should, kicker can only fight kick. Maybe the long snapper get in there. Although Wisnowski clearly would have taken out everybody. We oh, God, saw yeah. That. <laughs> let, let, let me get on a little. Let's get back to Purdy, and I want to do a rant here. I don't think I've done it on this podcast. I've done it elsewhere, but I want to get it done and con- said on this 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 show, 49ers plus minus. The MVP dis- discourse for months is stupid. It was stupid <laughs> when it was Purdy being the guy, Purdy, or is it Christian, or is it Purdy, is it, is it McCaffrey, is it Purdy, is it Lamar? It's stupid. Here's why it's stupid. Because it changes every – because the NFL plays only 17 games. So every game is super meaningful. And yet – every game is super meaningful. Yet if you lay an egg in one game on Christmas, then you're done. But all the other games are meaningless. And I understand this is how it goes in voting. I understand it goes in talk show mania. But if you are in a conversation where a great game against Philadelphia – and a great game against Pittsburgh and a great game against the Cowboys is now rendered meaningless because of one other game, which they're all supposed to count the same, except for this on national TV and it's later than the others. It's idiotic. And I would, I would, I've said this about it when Birdie was leading it, supposedly. I just think it's stupid. It changes too much to have these raging debates. You're basing it on agendas and preconceived notions and you know what you think about the person or what you think about the team the whole discussion should be about what team is the best now if this these are like shadow discussions over which team is the best i get it whatever it's talk radio it's talk tv i just think it's stupid to get mad about it it's stupid to have prolonged discussions about it i thought it was stupid weeks ago and i think it's stupid now and i think it's actually probably better for everybody on the four nighters that it's off the table because it becomes this thing that's dumb that doesn't mean anything win football games it's not about winning the the award if you win football games the awards come later that's the way it should be it's not oh my god they won so now we could be mvp isn't that great i think it's dumb sparrows tell me i'm wrong you're not wrong i think the only thing dumber more stupid than all the mvp talk are our power rankings which yes. which are the are the same thing I mean, it's like this big thing each week, and then, oh, my gosh, it just got reshuffled totally <laughs> this week. Um, but you're right. I think the the one sort of silver lining from this loss is that it provided a, a pin in the balloon that was all this uh, uh, MVP crapola. And I think the Ravens, uh, you know, you know it, it's kind of ginned up animus, but that was sort of part of, you know, what pumped them up for this game. All this – MVP talk about Purdy. Is it Purdy or McCaffrey? Is it Purdy going to win it or is it, is, is it going to be his teammate? Um, and then, you know, they came in and uh, kind of used that as motivation. So it's, you're right. It's a bunch of talk radio um, 
you know, fodder during the week. And um, I'm glad that for at least one more week, it's going to be off the table because that was such a bad performance. No one will dare write a Purdy for MVP story uh, at this point. Someone will find a way. Someone will find, oh, or they'll just write a column. Oh, this is why he's not the MVP. And I'll repeat it again. If one game can mean more than the previous 13 or 14, then what the hell were you having the discussion about during the previous 14? That means you shouldn't have been having that discussion. So just throw the whole thing out and have the discussion at the end of the season. Uh, NFL particularly, because every week is one seventeenth of the season. You can't just do it incrementally because it's all of a sudden things are changed. Oh my God, it's all terrible. No, he's great. It's idiotic. And I know there will be countless discussions on this forever and ever. And I will just say, oh, let me check in now. And I've checked in on this before. The MVP discourse is idiocy and I will not do it. Uh, anything? Oh, okay. Let's talk about this, what you wrote about uh, after this game. The curious case of Jason Verrett the and the 49ers just like almost obsession with him. Like this is not a new thing with them trying to do anything they can to get Jason Verrett on the field when perhaps they shouldn't. Uh, I, I'm not going to go so far. They shouldn't have done it. I understand they want depth at corner, and I guess he's been looking great in practice. But this guy hasn't played in two years. And he's gotten hurt on their watch before. He's hurt their roster decisions before. What the hell were they doing with Jason Verrett being active for this game? Yeah, it's very curious. You know, it's happening in a in a big game. It's not like this is happening uh, in the first part of the season. It's happening here in Week 16 against the Ravens, the the AFC's best team. And what was odd to me is that you know I thought that Charvarius Ward, the trio of Charvarius Ward. Uh, Diamador Lenore and Ambry Thomas had been playing very well together. I mean, that was one of the, the post by storylines is how good the secondary, particularly the cornerbacks have been, or at least how much better they had been uh, than the, uh, the first half of the season. So now you, you've got them sort of forcing, um, you know, Verrett onto the field and, and he's playing nickel cornerback, something that he really never has played with the 49ers. I understand that he was a really good one with the Chargers at some point, but that was many, many years ago. Um, it, it just seemed sort of forced. And, um, you know, the, the 49ers rationale is, is sound. Um, this is a guy who just oozes talent. And apparently he looked, he's looked really good in practice and um, they want to experiment with different formations, different things. And in order to do that, they have to get him on the field. And so their plan was to play him four to eight snaps in the game. He ends up playing five. Um, but, you know, you know, it has all sorts of ramifications. I mean, he doesn't play special teams at all. Uh, so it, it's like he's a special case Whereas, um, you know, everybody else has to sort of uh, pull double duty. He doesn't have to do that. And, you know, not a huge deal, but if he's up in uniform, it meant that Sam Womack was uh, was uh, a a healthy scratch for the game. He's been playing special teams. He's been one of the gunners. Jerry Jeremy McNichols is the gunner in this game. He gets a penalty. He has another sort of mess up later in the game um, does not affect the outcome of the game, but I'm just saying that it just seemed like they're trying to kind of force this at a very odd time of the season. 
Um, and uh, with, with Ambry Thomas now dealing with a hamstring strain, uh, you wonder whether that's going to kind of continue. Who's going to be the third quarterback in this next game against the commanders if Ambry Thomas doesn't play? Yeah, I mean, it felt like maybe they were they were looking at Verrett to take Ambry Thomas's position. I don't know. We'll keep Lenore on the outside. Why else would you do it like this? Why else are you looking for a cornerback at the trade deadline, which they clearly were? Um, do you think it's a signal that they're not happy with the cornerback group? I mean, that's been the signal all season long. I mean, they brought in Anthony Brown, remember, back in that's September, right. and they thought, oh, gosh, we really kind of struck it struck gold here with this uh this ex-cowboys player he's a veteran he can come in and give us some depth there you know he didn't work out he was gone by uh by the middle of the season um you know it's the whole going back to the preseason with isaiah oliver we brought him in to be the nickel and then all of a sudden you know we want to replace him as the nickel i thought that they were that, that they were happy with diamador lenore as the nickel like this is the spot we see Diamador Lenore playing for the long term. Um, he's he's tough. He's sticky in coverage. This guy has all of the nickel cornerback qualities that we want. And so uh, Barrett comes in and he plays nickel, which keeps Diamador Lenore on the outside. So I mean, it's, it's all it's, it's a bunch of mixed messages really from the team about cornerback dating all the way back to really when they brought in Isaiah Oliver in, in, in free agency in March, paid him a pretty good chunk of change. And then all of a sudden decided at some point during training camp that, you know, we don't really like this guy at nickel. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's kind of scramble the, uh, the, the cornerback uh, uh, formation here. So um, this has been a year long sort of saga at cornerback. And to activate him, they've got to cut, Guess what? An offensive tackle, and maybe they're bringing Matt Pryor back at some. I, I assume they need a tackle, you know. But maybe they don't resign him, and you might need a tackle, right? I mean, that, that, like there are repercussions, there are ripple effects throughout our roster, even at the bottom. And like we're just talking through it before the game. <laughs> All these things come up as the game happens because that's what happens, right? You make a questionable decision, and then that's exposed when the game happens because there's two injuries, and this happens, and that happens. Um, what are they going to do with tackle bears? Well, yeah, it's the law of unintended consequences. They had to cut, um, Matt Pryor, a tackle to make room for Willie Sneed actually, because oh, yeah, yeah, okay. they had Juwan Jennings, uh, with a concussion, no Ray Ray McLeod. So they needed an, an, an extra receiver. They'd already, uh, used all of Willie Sneed's, um, you know, practice squad, uh, promotion. So they actually had to put him on the 53 man roster, in order to do that, you need to remove somebody. They pick a tackle, um, who, by the way, had been active for, for just about every game this year, and and who would have, you know, come in in that scenario and played right tackle. And so um, that would have meant that you know Colton McKibbs probably would have still played left tackle, but you certainly wouldn't have had um, Spencer Burford, a guard, playing right tackle in the second half of that game. So. Or um, I don't know if they're going to be able to get Matt Pryor back or not, but um, boy, uh, a tackle might not better uh, wouldn't have been the position I would have cut, just because um, you know what we saw. I mean, you you start losing tackles, that has a domino effect on everybody, including the health of your quarterbacks. 
And we were recording this on Tuesday morning-ish, mid-morning, mid-afternoon, you know, almost towards the afternoon. Have not gotten the MRI news on several players, Trent Williams being the most obvious major player. Okay, Barrows, we don't know. I mean, can they win a couple games if, if Trent is out again? Then we know what happened last time he was out, they lose. Uh, what do they do if he's out and if Jalen Moore is iffy? And can they win without him? Um. And if uh, Aaron Banks is out with, uh, with Thrifto, he missed two games with Thrifto. Um, no, I mean, I think that's a very tough ask, um, to, you know, to to go with the line that you had last night. And that would be their line. I mean, they don't really have any other options. Uh, this guy, Ben Barch, who came in, um, he's been a guard. I don't know if he can play tackle. Um, I, I think it's a really tough ask because when, when Burford and McKivitz were in there, and I think that they would be better with a, a week of practice uh, underneath them. But when they were in there, it was bad. I mean, it was either McKibbitts giving up a sack or a pressure to Jadavian Clowney or uh, Burford committing a hold or giving up a sack or a pressure to whoever was rushing from the left side. Uh, so that's a that's a tough scenario and a, as tough a scenario, I think, as uh, Kyle Shanahan has ever faced. Um, you know, he's been able to sort of patch together a line uh, a few times, but boy, that would be uh, that would be a very, very difficult ask. Well, look at the big picture is now they cannot rest, guys. You have to win the next two to guarantee the number one seed, which gets you the buy, which now becomes even more important. So th- this puts puts them in that danger territory. If you lose one of these games and suppose guys are Brock Purdy's had the shoulder stinger in back to back weeks. He might get it again in the first quarter against Washington. I do think they could probably beat Washington with Darnold at quarterback, but it wouldn't be harder. Um, they got to win these two games. They can't rest anybody. The Washington game may or may not end up being tricky, but they should win that. Uh, the Rams game at Levi's becomes a game where the Rams must win probably to get in the playoffs, and the 49ers must win to get themselves a the number one seed and a week off. Uh, you know, hey, I, I was saying the Ravens game wasn't as huge as everyone was making out to be one versus one because they could win the next two, but now they have to. And now that puts some pressure on and one more clunker, and they're not the number one seed likely. And that changes the whole dynamic of everything, and they're banged up. Um, I still think they're the favorites. They're, if they would be favorite to, favorite to win both these games. But Barros, uh, you starting to think that there's some question marks here, some doubts? Well, sure. I mean, they've uh, they've picked the end of the season to have their their injury spate, and I, I think that they did a much better job with injuries. Um, yeah, they just didn't have the rotten luck that they they usually have at the beginning and middle of the season. But it's starting to come now, uh, right at this um, this really critical point. Now, we should we should note that Trent Williams has been able to sort of power through things. His um, high ankle sprain from a couple of years ago. Uh, when there are critical games coming up. And he indicated, I think to you and, and Shanahan indicated that Williams was trying to get back into the game and uh, he was just held off as a precaution. So the thinking, uh, the tea leave reading is that he will be able to play against uh, Washington, which would be a big deal. And I know he'd love to to go to Washington and have a uh, a big game there given uh, all the water that is under that bridge. But um, so I think people are optimistic that he's going to play, but we don't know. I mean, it's a groin strain that could go uh, a couple of different ways. Or if he plays, it could make it worse. 
right? Yeah, I for mean, sure. I mean, and that's point. why they held him out of, uh, you know, the fourth quarter of the uh, of the Ravens game. All right, Barrows, anything else you got on this uh, very, very interesting moment in the 49ers' uh, 2023 season? Um, no, other than that, there are three guys on the 49ers who um, uh, would love to go to Washington and, and have a, a great game. Trent Williams being one, uh, Chase Young being the other, and then, of course, Kyle Shanahan, who's got no love loss for that organization. Although I, I feel like uh, a couple of those guys have exercised that that demon um, already in the past. And it was a previous owner, right? New ownership. Uh, going to be interesting to see where they go within, uh, you know, whether they, I assume everyone thinks Ron Rivera is going to be fired, but they can get new general manager, new head coach. They could do a whole lot of different things. New owner, Dan Snyder is gone. Uh, but yeah, there's some memories there. So we're having some, some trouble with the hookup here at this point. So with that, I will wrap up a very interesting edition of Fortnite plus minus Matt Barrow. Say goodbye. Bye guys. We'll see you next week. See you next week. Mm-hmm.